TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. And you're listening to the TalkLine Network over WVIP 93.5 FM HD2, New Rochelle, New York. We are America's only Jewish radio program on regular broadcast radio on the Internet and digital platforms. Enjoy. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war among the major term life companies. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man age 45 non-tobacco user. $1 million of coverage is only $75 per month, level for the next 10 years. Or a man age 50 non-tobacco user can buy a half million dollars of coverage for a monthly premium of only $110. Guaranteed not to change for the next 20 years. That's right, level rates for 20 years. And if if you're a smoker, we have great rates for you as well. At the Term Lifeline, we specialize in policies of a half million dollars and above. So if you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call right now for a free quote. Rates and availability may vary by state. Sample rate quotes are based on preferred non-tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify. 866-549-8376. 866-549-8376-866-549-8376. That's 866-549-8376. Good evening and welcome back to Mask's weekly radio show on Family Matters. Mask, Mothers and Fathers Aligned Saving Kids. Kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles, including addiction and school issues. If you know somebody that needs a referral for a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, a school, please give us a call, 718-758-0400. Anyone that wants to get trained for a free naloxone kit, another form of Narcan for prevention of opioid overdose, please give us a call and we could train you over Zoom and mail you at free kit. Again, I'll repeat the number for all referrals. Remember, our line is confidential. You don't have to give a name. Just call, ask whatever it is you're dealing with, and we will try and get you to the right therapist around the right school. So again, our number is 718-758-0400. Tonight, I'm really, really, and I say it every week, but this time I'm going to add another really to my reallys. <laughs> and that is, it is a real honor to have on with us somebody who's been amazing help and assisted in saving so many lives. And that is Usher Goddessman from Southern California. And may I add, he is also a rabbi. So I'd like to first welcome you on tonight. And I know we've been trying to do this for so long. And I'm really so happy to finally be able to have you on tonight. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. 
And I want to say, I help people help themselves. I don't save any lives. Well, you do (laughs) help people. You do help guide them. And you're very, very, uh, you're always there for them, no matter when it is they may need the help. So long as, like you put it, that they're motivated to receive that help, that guidance. So, Usher, you're a rabbi. You are a coach, and you yourself have some journey that you said you would share with my listeners. I'd like to ask you, why do you want to help people that are struggling? It's a a phenomenal question. So I'm a rabbi. I'm the son of a rabbi, too. And interestingly enough, I, I personally growing up had struggles i'm the youngest in my family and i had struggles with Yidd- with yiddishkeit with religion in general um, feeling it was forced upon me feeling that the questions i asked weren't answered properly um and then ultimately you know um my father became my greatest teacher and i i actually struggled with substances myself and food um and i got and i and i um started my sobriety march 19th 2008 um, when I was 33 years old, that's almost 14 years ago. And um, what I learned from my father was, you know, my father uh, received unconditional love. You know, at first I used to say he gave unconditional love to Jewish youth, and I get to give it to people who suffer. And I've changed it, and you ask me why I do this, is because I truly ultimately receive unconditional love from people who suffer. By me, being able to be of service to others and help others help themselves, I truly receive more than they do. And I find that the only or the greatest tool when it comes to addiction or any spiritual malady for that matter or any maladaptive uh, malady for that matter is service work, is being there for people without an expectation of return and it can be in any area and sometimes service work is to our children too or to our spouses and um which we have to which we have to remember and ultimately ultimately my goal is to say that there are two types of people in the world those that are in recovery and those that can be yes those that are in recovery have courage to pick up the phone walk into a 12-step meeting dial a coach, call a helpline therapy. Uh, So what motivates you? Where did you get your motivation from 14 years ago or more? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I actually, I was very successful early on in my career and I had a major financial reversal and I felt I was of no value to the world other than my financial support. And, you know, in the Jewish community, Unfortunately, because we rely upon so many donations, so people with financial means get a certain level of respect. And not to say that the community stopped respecting me. I maybe I, you know, maybe I ran away. I, it, who, it, it, this is not about a blame or shame game. This is about my own story. So I actually went to therapy, and um, unbeknownst to me, my therapist had twenty some odd years sober, and I didn't even identify having a problem but yet once i identified that every you know i was a binger in every area of my life and uh after after this journey with this therapist at first i thought it was what was what i thought was narcissism 
I um, got I, I entered the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I began to work the 12 steps. And what I noticed in these rooms, and also in a program that I was volunteering at called Beit Shuva, was that they people were just coming here because they wanted to be better. And I never experienced that in my life. You know, in, in Yiddishkeit, we go to shul because we're Jews, right? We have to. And, um, you know, so sometimes we don't get to see the beauty in in um, in Judaism because it's hoisted upon us. Yet in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, the only reason you're there is voluntarily. And so I noticed that it's people, and I realized that if I don't spend the rest of my life doing that kind of work, I, w- I, I, I will go back to my old ways. And the bottom line is drugs and alcohol are a solution. They're not a problem. And they're a short-term solution to a longer-term problem. And I had to understand that my underlying problem was a, a spiritual malady, which which only got fixed by helping people. So that's really where my motivation came from. My motivation was about saving my own life. And that is usually the best way to go into treatment, uh, not for somebody else, but for oneself. Absolutely. So let's talk about your philosophy. And, and from your end, um, you know, everybody, you know, those that are coaches have one definition about addiction being a disease or not. Uh, therapists and rehabs understand it's a lifelong addiction. So let's talk about usher goddess men, your philosophy, and addiction as a disease. Excellent. So I do think addiction is a disease, and I do think the good news is it's a disease that has a cure. So one of the few diseases in the world that truly has a cure. Uh, uh, So the disease is the addiction, and the cure is recovery. And it is a lifelong process. And again, um, you know, being a Jew is a lifelong process, too, and we can't, um, we can't, uh, we can't stay clean on yesterday's shower, right? So Today's davening is different than yesterday's davening. So you could look at it as a privilege where you get to work on yourself for the rest of the, for the rest of your life, and where you don't stay stagnant as human beings. So recovery is the same journey. It's not a sh- a terrible struggle every day the rest of your life. It's a it's a very big struggle in the beginning, and a huge accomplishment. And so my philosophy is community. You know, and in Judaism we have something that says. Berov am hadras melech, right? With uh, uh, when we do we're, a minion, a group is far greater than the individual. So it's not as one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals many. And so my first philosophy is community of like-minded people. And what I mean by like-minded people is we come in. Most addicts say you don't get it. You don't understand. If only you had what I had. If only what happened to you happened to me you know, you you would be the same way. And that may be true. Um, And I don't want to take away anybody's story. Yet, when you get people into a community of people that are like them, then the excuses go away. And then we start looking for the similarities instead of the differences. And community is really important because the addiction is a disease of isolation. So when I'm seen, then I know that I'm okay. If I begin to not be seen, right, then I need my community to pick me up. So aside from 
the entire approach of, you know, psychological, psych, psychiatric. So we have to look at those underlying issues too, uh, you know, separately. After, after that, the number one, my philosophy is the number one success is community. If I build myself a community where I'm accountable to them and they are accountable to me, where we redefine the word humility, which is I'm no greater than nor no less than anybody. Because very often ego will be, ego will be, um, ego will tell me I'm greater than or I'm less than others. Right? I'm glad you brought up the accountability uh, because when you go into a program like you brought up, saying the community and somebody's involved, part of being involved and accountability is when somebody relapses because of the disease, one can relapse. You know, that's part of the disease. Then those that are involved with, you know, the person that suddenly is not participating, not going to groups, not doing the 12 step, not in touch with their sponsor, then that they could fall off the wagon. And the accountability is being able to be connected to that community so that they can get them back on. So let's talk about relapse for a moment, please. So relapse is a part of many people's story and it's not shameful, right? Uh, you know, what I say, you know, don't, don't go into recovery seeking relapse yet. You know, the difference between the six, the, those that succeed and those that fail is how quickly we get up, right? How quickly we remain accountable. If, and relapse often happens way before the relapse. And what I mean by that is, you're right, you stop going to meetings, you stop going to your therapist, stop being active, you stop being of service, you start to isolate, and then you start to feel badly about yourself, and the only solution is going to be the what you used to go to, which is your addiction. Yet, you know, it's really important if that happens to reach out, to not be shameful. You know, to me, the courage that it takes for people to get up and say, I relapsed, is huge and is so um, beneficial to others because so many people hide out because they relapse. They make up a story that they're bad. And... Well, another major piece of my philosophy is you messed up. It doesn't mean you are messed up. Don't label yourself your actions. We make mistakes. We lie, yet we're not liars. And, and it's very important because once we label ourselves, we have a very difficult way of getting out. And um, sorry, it, we have, it's very difficult to get out of our own way, let me clarify, and, and therefore and, and repair the damage. Because once we, we are labeled, once we're a liar, then what are we supposed to do? So, the, um, you know. Right. And let's go to the family members of the addict. Um, and let's speak about um, how important it is that family members learn about the addict's illness and also the difference between family members helping and family members enabling so yes it's a so my philosophy again and these are that's an excellent question is our uh, you know our parent our families must love us no matter what but unconditional love does not mean unconditional support 
you know, um, about 12 years, 10 years ago, I actually lovingly um, asked a, gentleman, a young man to leave his parents' house. He was, he was using heroin. I offered him treatment. He said he did not want to go. And I said, you know, you can't stay here. You have your little siblings. And, and he left. And today he's a father and married and in recovery and has children and stayed in touch with me. So I want you to know that it's possible to show love through boundaries. So the enabling is, you know, to give them no matter what. Addiction will take everything for you. It doesn't care from you and for, from, it will take everything from you. It doesn't care. So, it, you know, always letting the family member know that you're willing to support them if they're willing to take your direction or the direction of a, a professional, preferably a professional, so it's not your own personal direction. And yet, and also letting them know that you love them no matter what that you understand that it's an addiction. So if you want to meet them for coffee, you want to meet them for food, yet you, you, enabling is damaging your own life. You know, you have to look at yourself as a well. And a famous rabbi once told me that your, the quote was to me and in general to any human being is remember, your happiness matters. And I try to live by this philosophy of Hillel that says, Im nili mili. if I'm not for myself, who is for me? And when I am for only for myself, then who am I? And that's the balance. Enabling is, if I'm only for myself, then who, that, you know, meaning because I'm only doing it for me to make myself feel better in the enabling stage because I don't want to see you in pain. Remember, sometimes I have to allow somebody to be in pain. Thank you. <coughs> Let's uh, move on to, you brought up the issue of, um, mental health. I'd like you to talk a little bit about treating mental health with an addiction. Absolutely. It's a great question. So, you know, very often people will go into AA meetings and hear don't take medication or so on and so forth. Today, most addicts have what's called a co-occurring disorder, which means that they have an addiction and they have a mental health component. And it's very important that both get treated. Uh, I'm, first, gonna, I'm going to interrupt you, Usher, my apology. No problem. But I do want to bring up that in the olden days, it was referred to as, Mike, uh, mentally ill and chemically addicted. Right. Okay. Just for those out there that may remember that and refer to it as well. Right. Yeah. Today, it's called substance use disorder, right? Right. Uh, right. So, um, yeah. So the bottom, yeah. So again, first we have to, if somebody is, is is abusing substances, we have to get to a baseline, right? So we have to remove the substances from their system so that we can see where they're at. And then we can start treating the underlying symptoms of, again, as what I said, drugs and alcohol are the solution. So sometimes it's very simple that it's low self-esteem, um, which is not easy also to treat. Sometimes it's trauma. Um, an event that happened in your life and not an ob sometimes it's obvious sometimes it's not obvious and then sometimes it's truly a chemical imbalance and it could be depression as a chemical imbalance anxiety as a chemical imbalance and then as uh, you know then it could be bipolar disorder it could be schizophrenia and the good news is all these are treatable today and you know once we appropriately medicated then uh, we can uh, you know live a good life so it's really important that we separate the two. One is treated spiritually and 
psychologically and the other is treated psychiatrically and psychologically. So there is overlap, but mental health is a huge component today and must be treated. And we, we really should let our listeners know that, you know, when parents call the helpline and they say, my daughter is on, an addict, she's on drugs, my son, whatever age, whatever stage. So many times they don't give the full picture. Maybe there is mental illness in the extended family members. And in order to make the right referral for the right treatment program, it's important to give all that information. And then once they're placed in the right programs, many parents don't realize that while their child is getting treatment inpatient, that they must, and I repeat, must learn about their child's illness mental health and or addiction, because before you blink, before you sleep, 28 days are over so quickly for some. Some go in for 90 days, six months or a year, but you will get a phone call eventually that your loved one is coming home and suddenly you need to know what to do, how to treat the person, how to what to react, what to expect, and you cannot learn it so quickly. So I recommend that everybody whose child goes inpatient, don't think now you can relax and not learn about the illness. It's most important. Usher, do you want to give those parents any words of advice, please? Absolutely. So the first thing I would suggest is finding a family therapist as well, because addiction is a family disease. Okay, just because we have an identified patient, don't think you're going to send him or her away and they're going to get fixed. Okay, it doesn't work that way, whether it's a husband, a child, a wife, you know, don't, 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 don't think they're just going to get fixed. It's a family disease and we need to treat it such. So I suggest a family therapist and then also you have to prepare the home, right? It's not, you know, if you have a child, right, you don't just bring the child into the house without a crib, you know, without being aware of when to feed, how to feed, what to do. An addict is somebody who's coming home. We got to prepare the house for them and we got to know how to support them. We're not supposed to tiptoe around. So there's a balance. So seeking advice, you going to groups where other parents have been involved, getting support. Um, and, you know, there are groups called Al-Anon, which are 12-step groups for, uh, you know, for the, the families of. And, the, you know, so there are, there, there are resources, there are community meetings, there are community groups um, in every in every one, you know, call mask. Exactly. They yep, call mask. That's it, because mask has parent groups. And the parent groups are still by Zoom. The best thing that came out of COVID, unfortunately, Everyone's suffering, but COVID did bring on that we're able to do Zoom groups. And our parent groups are facilitated only by therapists. Sunday night, Dr. Shmuel Brockfeld. Monday night, Dr. Debbie Ackman. Tuesday night, Dr. Trish Atia is in person. You need to call the mask office for that information. 
Wednesday night, Rabbi Dr. Ben-Sion Tversky. We have a Crown Heights group starting uh, this coming Sunday night, a Crown Heights closed group. Anyone that wants to participate, give us a call. And just in general, if you want to get onto a parent group, call Mass. And if it's not one of those nights or not a Mass group that you're interested in, call us anonymously and we will give you other groups that are not facilitated through Mass. And we will let you know other organizations out there that offer parent groups, parent support. So, Usher. Let's talk about what you're doing these days, what program you're about, please. Very quickly, I'm a huge support of, you know, Transcend has our newest programs called our IIP program, which is our Individualized Intensive Program, which is all about holistically looking at the person and offering up to 10 hours a week of individual treatment so and it's really important because now we're able to look and identify eating disorders which weren't identified identify other disorders that were going on that were leading to the addiction and to also treat trauma from a different lens from a different perspective and really 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 help we also have something called neurologics which re, re um, rebalances the brain and neurofeedback on on uh, steroids. And if you need help, please go to our website, you know, transcendrecoverycommunity.com or theheightstreatment.com, and we'd be more than honored to help. I'm so grateful that you had me on, and, um, you know, let's um, continue to help people help themselves. Thank you. What, just quickly, if you can review the process of somebody coming to your program. Please just go to the website and call the number on the website and we will make it happen. We will review your insurance and we will review your options with you. And if for whatever reason we're not an appropriate program, we will make a referral. So we will not just say we're not appropriate program. Goodbye. Right. So anybody that is interested, please go to the website and transcend. It's a wonderful program for many, many people if for whatever reason it is not for your child, Usher Goddessman will be able to help you make a referral for your loved one. Also, you can call MASK at 718-758-0400 to get in touch with Usher. And I'll personally make sure that Usher returns the call to you. Usher, it's wonderful having you on, and Kala Kabod to you for all your personal hard work and for the cloud that you do. It is my it is my honor and pleasure, and thank you so much for having me on. And I hope to have you on again soon. Um, so let's remember that if somebody is suffering from addiction and family disease, please call Mask for the referrals. But don't forget, parents, call MASS to get onto a Zoom parent group, whether it's MASKs or any other group uh, available in your community, outside your community. Everything is confidential. 718-758-0400. And always remember, hang in, hold on, and virtually for now still, hug tight. 
Tonight's show is in memory of Rivka Bas Yisrael. Please consider to go on to maskparents.org and donate online so that we could continue with all our programs. Thank you and have a good night. Here now is Dr. Mark Jacobson, periodontist, dentist, and cosmetic dentist with today's Dental Moment. Why do dentists recommend taking out wisdom teeth? Some dentists say that they may cause the lower front teeth to get crowded and overlap each other. Other dentists say that they could cause problems later in life so that they should be taken out now. What is the truth? In fact, there is no study to demonstrate that wisdom teeth cause the front teeth to get crowded. When there are no back teeth, the lower front teeth may still get crowded. That's because they have very small contacts between them and slide past each other. Back teeth tend to move backwards, not forwards, causing spaces that trap food. So why take out wisdom teeth? They should be taken out only if they are partially exposed or are pushing against the tooth in front of it, creating a deep pocket. This can cause a space between the second molar and the third molar, which can lead to bone loss and loss of the second molar. Or you can get a cavity in the second molar and lose the second molar that way. Bacteria can also get in and lower your body's resistance to infection. If the wisdom tooth is completely buried in gum or in bone, or if the molar is in the upright position like the other teeth, there's no reason to take out the wisdom tooth. For more information, please contact Dr. Mark Jacobson, a third-generation dentist, located at 211 East 43rd Street in Manhattan at 212-697-3946. That's 212-697-3946. Are you interested in hosting your own radio show and podcast, or perhaps a TV program? Talkline Network can help you get on the air from one hour weekly to 24 hours a day. Ideal for ethnic, foreign language, medical, business, and religious broadcasting. We also have full-time radio stations for lease, as well as FM HD channels. For more information, please call 212-769-1925. That's 212-769-1925. Or email zevrenner at gmail.com.